0: Welcome to Preaching and Preachers, a weekly podcast devoted to those who preach and the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jared Bumpers, Assistant Professor of Preaching and Evangelism here at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, I'm excited to welcome Dr. Sam Bierig back to the podcast. Sam is a Vice President of Undergraduate Studies at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He serves as Assistant Professor of Christian Studies and Dean of Spurgeon College. He's written several books, including Fulfill Your Student Ministry, and no neutral words. He's previously served in the local church as a student pastor and as an elder. Dr. Bierig, welcome to Preaching and Preachers. Thanks, man. Ready to attack this issue and, and glad to be back. Excited to have you back on. We, we, we've talked about Proverbs previously, and we talked about the theme of Proverbs, uh, the, the major motif that should govern the way we understand some of those smaller topics. And uh, I think you, you did a good job walking us through why that's so prominent in the book how we how we see ripples of that throughout the rest of Scripture. And so preachers who are preaching through Proverbs need to understand that even the, the topics that are generally given a lot of attention, time, speech, friendship, money, those things are biblical and they're important, but they're connected to this larger theme of two ways, walking in wisdom, fearing the Lord, and rejecting God's word, God's way, not fearing God, and walking the path of folly or foolishness. And so right. That was a helpful conversation, and so now yeah. I want to move from kind of the big picture theme, theology, biblical theology, down to some of the more granular, nuts and bolts aspects of preaching through the book of Proverbs. And yeah. so, let, let's say that somebody listened to the previous episode and they said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to preach through the book of Proverbs. What are some, some maybe landmines or pitfalls that, that those who decide to preach through Proverbs should try to avoid?
1: Yeah. Yeah, just to point it up, I think the question stands. If, if you take— what we mean, Lectio Continua, or, or generally sequential preaching through a book, the question stands, it, you know, can Proverbs be a player in the pulpit? Like, can it actually, can it, can it play? And I think the answer is yes, and it doesn't have to be topical. Before we get into the even sequential, you ask about what are some of the pitfalls. I, I think even before the sequential issue is by moving in a topical way, I've seen a number of, of faithful pastors still preach Christ and preach Salvation redemptively from the book, but it's not immediately as obvious. I, I will say that if you if you move into a topical way, and what I'm what I sense is even in the devotional literature and those sorts of things, is a, a willingness to moralize proverbs in a way that it almost makes it like a second law. So it yeah it, it ends up being you know pull yourself up by your bootstraps and and don't marry that kind of woman or don't talk that way or. Just knock it off, quit spending your money that way. And 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 if you're not seeing that Jesus has given us even this text to uh to save us, then we're gonna moralize it. You know, and so I think that's the number one issue, like problem that that comes. I mean, I would put the sequential expositional uh like form in which we should go at it as secondary. But but first off, as the souls of of people are in the balance in their own willingness or unwillingness to, to just fall prey to just being discouraged, you know, and trying to follow the Lord and in some ways being cut off from that because of this kind of topical move that we can make. So anyway, that would be my quick on that. On the sequential piece. Hey, real quick, oh, yeah. but before you do that, let me, let me just add that I think what
0: you've just said is, is absolutely crucial yeah. for those who are preaching to grasp. If you preach Proverbs in a topical way as just some, here's some practical suggestions. That, that's not Christian preaching. It's not the gospel. That's that's moralism. That's do-good Christianity. Yep. Yep. And it it, w- it will leave people either beaten up, like yep. you said, they're yep. discouraged. Man, I'm supposed to be this kind of person. I don't always manage my money well. Right. I don't always speak kindly or softly. I'm an absolute failure. Yep. Why can't I do what the Bible tells me to do? And they, yep. they leave beat up or discouraged. Or on the flip side, maybe you have somebody who's predisposed to to, to morality. They yep. have a strong will and they do They're like, oh, I'm trying so hard to control my tongue and I'm doing a pretty good job. Right. Well, what happens? You know, you have, you have pride that builds up and then you have self-righteousness. Right. And so moralistic preaching either produces discouraged, depressed people, or it produces prideful, self-righteous people. And both of those people need right. Jesus. Right. And, and so what I'm not saying, and I'm sure you'll talk about this more, what we're not saying is, that we shouldn't preach the Bible in a practical way right, or that the right. Bible doesn't yep. speak to how Christians should behave. Right. But it is important for us to remember that apart from Jesus, the gospel, and the power of the Spirit, those commands will not give any life or power right. to the person trying to obey them. Yep. And so, just wanted to put an exclamation point on what yep. you just said. Yep. That is yep. crucial. We want to avoid moralism in preaching. Now, I know you're excited to talk about this. Sure. You and I have talked about this— uh, offline quite a bit. Yep. You mentioned in the last podcast that I'm not completely sold on this. I yeah. like to say that it sounds good in theory. Yep. What I need is for you to put this thing into practice, put sure. legs on it all the way through, but uh, I'm leaning your direction. So sure. this is going to be controversial to some of our listeners, but what do you think is the best way to approach preaching Proverbs? Is yeah. the thematic or topical way the best way to preach it? And if not, you've talked about sequential exposition. Is it possible to preach Proverbs sequentially?
1: Yeah. Uh, so the answer is yes, it is. I think what we're even really talking about is most people don't have too much trouble uh, with chapters one through nine, and then they will hit a topical mode, go six to nine different topics. They're going to hit speech, money, some other stuff, and then they'll jump back in in chapter thirty and thirty-one, and they're like, "I preach Proverbs," you know, <laughs> and and they they skipped over. A number of proverbs for one, which is just—I don't know—maybe it's just the weirdo in me, but I'm just like I don't like that. Like it feels yeah. strange to me. Um, I do get more in a narrative that you may not spend as much time on one verse or another, but you, there's a there's a sequence to that. Well, you're just jettisoning, you know, a number of of things that are being discussed in this book if you do that. So mm-hmm. there's there's some of the problems when you get to to ten and then keep rolling. What I would encourage everyone to to rethink is we will spend anywhere from three years, four years in a book like Romans, or we'll spend three or four years in John. And I'm not even arguing the, the wisdom or not of that, right? Yeah. But I'm saying we don't have any trouble spending some time in, in a book. Yeah, I, we just, just go, I just
0: read Lloyd-Jones spent these uh, 62 sermons, I think, in three chapters. Sermon on the Mount, it's like right. 62 sermons. Yep. So, so slow pace. Yeah, I think plenty of preachers demonstrate right. that.
1: So out of the gate, we, we should be like, okay, if I'm going to spend some time in, in a book, can I do that in Proverbs? And just say, yeah, I, th- I think so. I think your people can, can manage that. If, if you've been sequentially preaching to them, they're not even going to find it that odd. So you can check that off, like in your brain. Hmm. From there, I think what you do is, is we have to get, so that's the first issue is like, well, I don't even, I don't know how long this would take me if I did it. So if you can say yes to that, well, then the next question would be, well, this doesn't fit the shape of any sermon I've ever done. And I would say that's right. <laughs> uh, and and you, would, you would just go, I, I think I have to accept that this is the way the Lord has delivered this text to me, and there has to be some reason why uh, Proverbs 10.2 follows 10.1, and 10.3 follows 10.2. You know, so that's basic, and I'm not trying, and you aren't either, to uh, dumb down our, our crowd or anything like that. It's just like w- we accept that logic everywhere except in, in this book. So what I would say to do is, even if you're worried about it, chapters 10 through 29, is take 14 Proverbs and just go one after the other and accept that your intro and your outro is going to be maybe along the way of the two ways or something like that. Or maybe you start with wisdom. Maybe you start with a story. I've used Pilgrim's Progress. Pilgrim's Progress is a great narrative that kind of really shows you what Proverbs is doing. And you use your intro and your outro a little bit differently, but you're, the points in your sermon are however many proverbs you have, and yeah. you just go sequentially at it. I've done this at my own church that I'm a member at and was an elder at, and I, I will tell you, our people didn't even find it unusual because they didn't know any different. They are just like, okay, so Pastor Sam's going to come in, and he's going to preach through—at yeah. that time, I was doing a, a specifically 12 and 13, and I, <laughs> I booked it through there and did all— of the chapter in in those two sermons it took me 40 minutes and 43 minutes i think so if you don't like that then just cut that chapter in half and that's what your sermon is you know also i think one move that i'd tell the listeners is we will sometimes do john say in in one semester we'll take a break do do easter or something like that or christmas and then come back to it so it doesn't mean that you have to just you know you never stop for a full year you go through proverbs and that's it But I think you can you can do it, you know, and your people what's on the line here is there is a piece, so to speak, of the whole counsel of God that we're not really delivering to them because it doesn't quite fit our homiletical grid, which really isn't that similar in Psalms versus narrative versus epistle anyway. But we're just kind of like, oh, man, I don't really know what to do with that because this sermon today has 14 points. (laughs) And so it isn't going to lend itself quite like a point or a truth or a meditation what is a meditation but it's just whatever is being discussed there keep that two ways motif in, in mind and then just keep moving through so this is a this is something about disciplining children and you're going to address that and your people are going to be edified and encouraged challenged admonished and then you're going to move on to something else. and the next one it's actually about money or something like that and so you're going to address each one of those things they're going to walk away taking application they're going to be encouraged they're going to be cut to the heart from different vantage points, male, female, different age, all of those things are going to be applied, um, and the Lord's going to use that. And it is going to be a little more sage than proclaimer, and that's okay. God apparently is fine with that part of our diet. He gave us wisdom literature and wants us to to have that, and so we we just accept the terms that He delivers it instead of usurping that and saying, I'm going to, you know, topicalize it. So.
0: Yeah, I think you've used the, the phrase sage or the term sage yeah. a couple of times in personal conversations. Yeah. And I've always found that helpful because, hmm. you know, Solomon is, is described as the wisest man yeah. who ever lived. And so, you know, he's, he's giving just some kind of practical point by point instructions or wisdom that, that ultimately cycle back up to that, that two-way motif that you've talked about. Now, what's interesting is when you think about, you know, expository preaching and books that have been written, you know, you often hear guys talk about uh, this, you know, the central idea of the sermon mm-hmm. or the yep. big, Han Robinson's biblical, yep. big idea, yep. central idea of the sermon. I think Vines and Shattuck's call it, major idea of the text. I think Tony Morita calls it. Uh, I often refer to the homiletical idea. Yep. like What's this main central driving idea? And yep. I think that often works, but it doesn't work in every text. And if, it, if that big idea or central idea, if there are 14 big ideas in this yep. section of Proverbs that I'm preaching. Well, then, then so be it. I'm, I'm going to jettison this homiletical practice that's usually helpful in this particular yep. text because the text determines the structure of the sermon. That's I mean, right. almost yep. every expository, yes. expository preacher God would also say that. And so, you know, text-driven preaching, Stephen Smith, David Allen, those guys. So would, you're
1: saying you're with me now, Jerry? Uh, is that you're, what you're, you're saying? You're, okay. you're
0: moving in your direction. But, but it's hard to argue with that, sure. right? I yeah. mean, the, the, the structure of the text yep. shapes the structure of the sermon. And so that however the text breaks down, that's how I want my sermon to break down. The substance of the text shapes the substance of my sermon. So the content of the biblical passage will be the content of my sermon. And then, of course, they talk about the spirit of the text, the the tone, the emotion, the goal, the purpose should be the spirit of the sermon. And so I think somebody who hears this and their immediate reaction is, I can't preach a 14-point sermon. What's the big idea? I think if they step back and read the homiletical literature more broadly, what they'll see is, Generally, there's one major idea with supporting ideas, right. but that doesn't work for every text. Right. Proverbs being one of those, and that's okay. Yep. Put your homiletical, you know, kind of framework aside yep. for this particular genre. Yep. Let the genre determine substance, structure, and spirit, yep. and then and then preach it as it's laid out. So, yep. uh, yes, I am saying, I guess, essentially, <laughs> that that I, I agree with you. You persuaded yep. me. Sure. So. Let's let's talk about this. You mentioned this earlier. We talked about moralism, mm-hmm. and so okay, a preacher's listening and they they heard that admonition earlier, right. and they say, Poof, "I don't want to do that. I don't right. want to preach moralistic sermons. Good. Don't want to discourage my people. Don't want yeah. to puff my people up." Well, how do you preach Christ from yeah. Proverbs then?
1: Yeah. Um. So uh, because I've been thinking about this so long, there's sort of for me at least not not necessarily saying this is out in the crowd, but. Uh, an embarrassment of riches, because I've just really slammed into the idea about, man, there's so many ways to preach Christ, to preach the gospel from from this. But um, I would go really quickly to, there is a way to preach it typologically. Uh, typologically, So, the true Solomonic son is, is Jesus, is what I would say. So, he, he is the one who is listening to the Father's address, and when he hears, listen, do X, Y, or Z, or watch out for this, he doesn't. I mean, so if you if you take just for example, hey, I mean, we know obviously our Christology plays here, but uh, he never sins. Right. So he's perfectly wise. He he always takes the righteous path, the wise path. And so in, in chapter seven, for instance, we, we talked about that a little bit earlier. There's a, it's a very tragic theoretical story that is put out before by Solomon, put out before the Solomonic sons of do not stumble into the path of this woman who is enticing you, and her path is going to go down to the grave. Like, that. that's the general sense of chapter 7. Well, in, in the case of Jesus, he doesn't stumble on that path. He's never found at that street juncture point, and, and he doesn't pursue that. The Heavenly Father never looks out of his lattice, so to speak, at the front of the chapter and, and sees Jesus uh, pursuing that path. So you, you flip those on their head and just go, okay, he's the one who listened. He's the king that we were all looking for. So mm-hmm. it plays very well with kingship and preaching that he's going to be the one who saves us out of this, it is, to put handles on it a little bit, it is more clearly and obviously immediately discipleship, sanctification, literature. So the way that we're being saved, usually, I'm not saying someone can't get saved by a sermon in in Proverbs. Obviously, by God's grace, they have throughout, you know, centuries. But it is uniquely pointed towards the Christian. So it's sanctification, literature, first and foremost. And it's looking to save you. From foolishness. It's looking to save you from wasting your money, from wasting your life, from pursuing the path of death. And so you're looking to actually point it up in a soteriological way to be saved. You know? And so I, when I'm reading Proverbs or I'm preaching Proverbs, I'm looking for the Lord to address me in a way that I'm challenged to get off of a foolish path and walk closer to Him, to be wise, to be wise like Him. And, and knowing even in a, to some degree, a Christus Victor, like He has done this, He has already faithfully done it for me he's walked the path and so when i fail he's good for it his record is a, imputed to me and so those are some ways that I, that i would say that you can preach christ from proverbs yeah wisdom is a good way life and death i mean he's the way the truth and the life so there's yeah there's a lot there but you don't have to do it as you said and i think that if you if you sit there and that you're thoughtful about how christ himself is the fulfillment of the proverbs even then you can make your way over there and understand how to encourage people and show them that even though you did waste your money or you did make a bad relational move or you did shoot your mouth off the other day and you said something you shouldn't have said. Jesus didn't. He can save us from these things. And so, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's great. Uh, You know, I think of Romans chapter one, where, where Paul is talking about preaching the gospel. He's not ashamed of the power of the gospel. And I think that that even in Proverbs, the power of the gospel shines through as people are exposed to their folly, both unbelievers and believers. You talk about it being aimed primarily towards or maybe an emphasis on discipleship language, but we still want to bring the gospel to bear and remind them, hey, when you fail at doing this, this is what fearing God and walking in wisdom looks like. But when you fail, there's grace and forgiveness, and there's power and strength that you did not possess before coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And then for unbelievers— Reminding them, hey, you know this, you've heard this, you're seeing this, but you can't live this way. You have no power, you have no strength, you lack the ability to live this way. And you need Jesus. The gospel is powerful, it changes lives. And if you will come to Christ, He will give you a new heart. Right. His spirit will dwell within you, and you will be able to live this type of life. You can walk the path of wisdom through Christ, who is the wise and obedient son. So Yeah, I think even on the application aspect, reminding people that Christ is uh, crucial to obeying Scripture and living yep. out the, the wisdom commands here. Yep. So so one uh, final question here. Would love to hear you. You've spent a lot of time studying, thinking about preaching Proverbs. So, yep. somebody's listening to this, they've decided, I'm going to preach through Proverbs. They decided that already. Yep. Now they've decided, I'm going to preach through it sequentially. Yep. What is the best or what are some of the best resources yep. that will help them? preach the book of Proverbs and that will help them preach Christ and Proverbs. And so you can kind of categorize these books however you want to, but general books on Proverbs, commentaries that are helpful on Proverbs, Christ-centered interpretation of Proverbs, but give them some some tools to work with as they preach through Proverbs.
1: Yeah. So I'll I'll mention uh, four. Uh, So if if I could only give one thing and, and I could get one thing in everybody's hands, uh, it would be Andrew Steinman's Proverbs commentary in Concordia commentary series. So that one has been really, really good, very helpful. He does a great job of wrestling the text theologically. Sequentially addresses various compositional questions as well. So, so his is the the, the fullest treatment that I have found to be helpful. There's a number of other commentaries, but some of them are actually what I'm cutting against. So, yep. so I, I would push Andrew Steinman there. O. Palmer Robertson has an introductory book called, uh, I believe, The Christ of Wisdom or of, of the wisdom literature, which is a redemptive historical take. And his chapter on Proverbs is probably 80 pages long. It's not it's not very uh, it's, it's accessible is my point. Yeah. And I think what he's going to do for you is give you a, a grid to understand the whole book. And he does get a hold of the two ways motif. He doesn't go quite as far as I do, but he, he sees that for sure as this Steinman. And so that would be a good place to start. Craig Bartholomew has a theological introduction that he wrote with uh, Ryan O'Dowd, I think is the other guy's name. Um, That's a good one. It's another just kind of 50-page treatment of the book, and and he wrestles with some of the theological deals in there. And he has a very—it'll be hard to find, but it's called Reading Proverbs with Integrity. It's a really short treatment as well, maybe 25 pages. Hmm. And those are all really good ones that they won't overburden the preacher, and then they could uh, maybe find some others as well.
0: Okay, so th- those are the prominent resources yep. Yep. that you would you would direct them towards. Yep. That's great. In addition to those things, you wrote your dissertation yep. on on Proverbs. Yeah, I'm assuming that's available uh, on the MBTS on, library website.
1: Yeah, it's on ProQuest, and okay. we'll have it in the podcast notes here. We'll link to it. Even in that one, so that's a large treatment of the book, and I'm doing some heavy lifting, even metaphysically, at the front and stuff of just going, "Hey, why do we read the Bible the way we do?" So if you are looking for I would start on the fourth chapter, actually, yep. and just go for uh, chapter four, five, and six. And what I'm doing there is just lexical work to go, why does it make sense that God laid down in the book of Proverbs this two ways idea? How can I argue that and, and do it with you know good faith? So I'm, I'm making the argument there. Also, just the compositional structure of the book and just saying, actually, this is in all these joint points that proves that this is how we're supposed to read the whole book. And then just theologically, like biblical theologically, some of those things that me and you discussed on the first one. I'm just proving, no, this is this actually makes total sense. That this is the chief metaphor that that Solomon and and by God's inspiration designs the book according to this. So I'm making the argument from those two positions, and those would be most helpful in the preaching zone. Um so Yeah, yeah that's
0: great. And uh, j- just, I appreciate your warning to the yeah. readers. Start chapter four. <laughs> if you do not know this, Sam's <laughs> dissertation is massive. So he's basically saying, gird up your loins like a man. <laughs> it's going to be a tough read, but yeah. I do think it's beneficial. I think you're breaking new ground. And so yeah. I appreciate you and your work there.
1: Yeah, appreciate it.
0: Good. Well, Dr. Berick, thank you for joining us yep. and uh, l- look forward to continuing to think about preaching, the task of preaching. And those of you who are listening, hopefully you'll take this to heart. Take up the book of Proverbs and preach through it verse by verse.
1: Thank you for being with us today and for listening to Preaching and Preachers. For more information,
0: go to my website, jasonkallen.com. That's jasonkallen.com.